Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand-up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News. We have a very special guest today, March 1st, 2023. Clayton Ecker joins me on Bachelor Rush Hour. Just three months into this fantastic podcast, and look at that. We scored a lead. That's right. Clayton Eckerd joins me for this entire episode of Bachelor Rush Hour to discuss his mental health journey after the season. We specifically discuss his new book, 180 Degrees, uh, which he wrote uh, to talk about his mental health, mindfulness, and his evolution as he has seen it from his time on The Bachelor. And you're going to hear some never-before-told stories, including his time... um, Battling the TikTok allegations, of course, from last year. What a wild story it was. He wanted to sue this random TikToker, and Susie helped calm him down. That's what you do in a relationship, right? And uh, he shares so much insight about his time on the show. You're going to really enjoy this. Uh, If you didn't know, here's a little something about me. I'm flying over the Pacific Ocean right now, or wherever the hell I am. I'm heading to Indonesia on my honeymoon. That's right. I'm going to have content every day, though. It's all lined up for you guys. Don't you worry. Tons of content. I know. Dave, hang out. Relax. You're on vacation. That's okay. We can still make some time for you guys. So don't forget to subscribe, share it, link it, like it, swoop it, whatever you need to do, rate it, review it. We appreciate all the support out there. And without further ado, here's my convo with Clayton Eckerd on The Rush. Well, I'm so excited today to talk to Clayton Eckerd here with his new book, 180 Degrees on Mental Health, Mindfulness, and Unlocking Self-Belief. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks so much for uh, being supportive. I've, I've seen uh, you're one of the positive voices in, in my corner that I've seen in, in, the, in the recent past. So I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, I pre- you know, I never know who's listening to me. Some people never go. I'm mainly YouTube focused. So some people are never over here, but it's just empathy, man. Like you're in a position on the show where you're dating all these women. You're probably a people pleaser like, like we all are. I mean, did you think in the moment you were making all of the right decisions and were you surprised by the backlash that happened afterwards? Um, so as far as did I, did I think I was making the right, the right decisions? Uh, no, but I, I knew, I just didn't know what was right. I think that was the tough part about it was, uh, there was no prior experience I could draw from ever dating. I've never dated multiple people at once, um, on television. And so, uh, with all these different parameters at play, uh, I just was, I knew I was in over my head. I, I, but I thought I was doing it the best that I could now looking back at it with a little bit more, uh, insight than what I had prior. Uh, yeah, I, I, I realized I could have done things a lot differently. Uh, was I shocked at the backlash at the time? Yes. Now? No. So it's, again, it's like, as you go through the process in the moment, yeah, things, I, I felt a lot different. And I think it's because I'm seeing life through a new lens when I was there versus where I'm at now. And so it's starting to make sense to me kind of why, um, I, I ruffled some feathers, like rightfully so, uh, I, I wasn't, I was, I tried to do everything in my best, like in the best interest of everybody, but I tried to please everyone and, and, and you can't do that. So it's, yeah. to, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a situation. No one ever knows how they would go through. God knows I would be the most hated person of all time. Um, I want you to know, I had my wife buy this for me for Valentine's day. Okay. So this oh, is, this was right. a, cause she wasn't, she wasn't going to get me anything anyway, but I was like, Oh, go get me Clayton's book. Um, you open up in your introduction mentioning all of these sort of 
words you've been called. It was kind of like an Eminem moment where, you know, in the movie Eight Mile, he describes all of the horrible things people have said about him. You uh, you called a Wonder Bread, Underbite, Boring, Buzz Lightyear, White Mediocrity Prevails. And then you said you've received thousands of messages about a mediocre man from Missouri. Um why, what was your intention to start your book with the probably some of the negative things that that approached you? Yeah, so I mean the the book and and partly one right like you want to draw people in and go oh like where what caused this right so there's there's part of the the hook to just get people in and say well wow where, where is this going why is like why did he get all of this you know subject or sent his way. Um, I also, though, think for me, I, I with at the end of the book, it's obviously ending on a positive note. So I'm a very, like, I like to start with the negative and with the positive. So I always end on a positive note, and that's kind of the way this the book is structured. I talk about going from self doubt to self belief. So the beginning of the book is is where a lot of instances of where I had self doubt, and then by the end of the book, I talk about the belief not, that I'm now possessing. And so I, I just thought it was a really great start to say. You know, this is what most people know me as anyways from the show. So people that are ordering a copy, they're going to see these references and go, okay, yeah, I kind of do re- vaguely remember when he was, you know, named The Bachelor. And, and these were the responses that I got. I was attacked for my physical traits. Uh, I was attacked for what I'd done in the past or what I hadn't done enough of uh, saying, you know, he didn't really play in the NFL. He's not really an athlete. You know, he, he's, they attacked, like, I, I saw people attacking my skills in football. Yeah, the guy only had two catches his entire college career. He sucked and all these things. And, uh, yeah, it's it just, uh, I the whole book, I mean, there's a lot of different messages there, but I wanted people to see that, hey, these are all the things that were said about me, but my life and who I am is so much deeper than just these, these stereotypes and just these projections. But that's for all of us, right? So that was, I think, my way of, I'm going to start it off because we all like to sometimes judge a book by its cover because it's easy. It's simple. It doesn't take time and effort, but we got to stop doing that because there's so much more behind the curtain that people aren't um, often revealing. Uh, And if they did, people would have a different uh, viewpoint on that individual. Yeah. And you take someone like you face value, strong, tall, good looking, all these things. I tend to try to look at the kid in everybody because we develop most of our traits as a kid. And you start uh, very quickly talking about seventh grade Clayton, which I loved because I also moved to a new school um, in seventh grade and I uh, played football, not professionally, but uh, <laughs> a little high school. Uh, but uh, what's sorry? What position? Quarterback, 5'11". Oh, I had no shot. I could throw far. I could throw 60 yards. I could, I could pitch, you know, but, Ooh, um, you know. Yeah, that's why. 60 I, yards is important, man. I would, Hang we, your hat on. Thank you. We'll throw some, I'll throw you a couple of passes one day. <laughs> um, but anyway, you shared, um, you shared in your book, which I loved on actually page seven, several private Facebook messages that you sent, I believe as a seventh grader here to the ladies. Um, that's the type of bachelor i want to know the guy in seventh grade who's first learning how to communicate with the opposite sex first learning to go all through those things too many audience members see the privilege you get to be chosen but as you mentioned in your book you weren't the one taking the uh the the lead away from somebody else you were just the one chosen were you surprised that you were in the running as somebody on michelle's season who wasn't like a top a top contender 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I was surprised because I still was in this pseudo confidence stage in my life where uh, I didn't have really any belief. At still, it was conditional. Uh, I was trying to I was trying to create this more permanent type of uh, confidence, but for the time being, it was conditional. And I told a lot of the guys when I was on the Bachelorette, I struggled with that confidence. They helped me out. Michelle helped me out. Had a lot of great conversations, but. Uh, I thought, you know, when I got sent home, I said, that's, this is probably it. And I'll move on with the next chapter of my life. I'll move somewhere because I want, I wanted to move States already. And so I thought that I'll just move on and this will be it. And I, I did not think that I was, you know, in contention, uh, but you brought up, you brought up a good point. And it's, uh, it's something that I really try to get out there is I, again, I, a lot of people that saw me become a bachelor, they go, Oh, great. Another big, you know, football player. Like he's always been, you know, the man since day one, he was probably always getting all the women back in the day, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, that's why this book, I write it because I want people to see that I was, I built up this image to try to convince myself that I was good enough. But really the person I see in the mirror some days is still that seventh grade kid that sends those horrendous messages. I've, I've thanked, thankfully I've learned to not, you know, use such bad grammar at this, at, at this stage of my life, uh, like I did back then. But no, I think for me, I want to show people that, hey, just because what you see in front of you, like that's not often what the other person sees, right? We are, all of our perceptions are our realities, but that's where I try to show people like you're, you're thinking I had it all figured out. You think I was given all this, but like I was bullied, made fun of, you know, had a, a, an upbringing that really tested my character and a lot of my insecurities that came to light on the show if people were wondering where they were coming from, it was from childhood. It was from all the unaddressed trauma from childhood that I never started to look at until recently. And I hate that we have to know that about you to collectively empathize. Like we have this problem with celebrity in, in, in society where we don't empathize with Britney Spears till she's her head shaved and she's in an institution. We don't empathize yeah. with bachelor contestants until they we fully wrecked them. And that's part of the psychology of building sandcastles just to knock them down. That's what we do as people. I hate Hate that that's what had to happen for you to get to where you are now. But w- would you have written this book if it wasn't for the backlash, or was this just a result of, uh, oh my gosh, I've learned how to how to come out of this burning fire of a season? Yeah, no, I I've, I think I even put that in the book as well, and I've said it a few times that I wouldn't have written the book if I would have had a uh, you know a nice happy ending with like walking off into the sunset with one of the women from the season. Uh, I would have just been happy and that would have been it. And so then uh, I would have, I mean, I still struggle with mental health on, on the back end, but I think when like the show, when it turned out the way that it did, it forced me to deep do a deep dive and reflect within. And when I started to do that um, and I started finding my way, kind of clawing myself out of this, this pit that I was in, uh, that's when I started to realize like, well, if I can do this based off of my circumstances and being ripped to shreds by everybody, hopefully maybe I can start to help others through just sharing my experience and my story of how I was able to, um, you know, make that, that switch from having all this doubt in myself to still finding this, this self-confidence. So yeah, I, I just thought, okay, well, this is the, these are the cards I was dealt, but if they were dealt any differently, uh, the book wouldn't have been written for sure. And I don't know if I'd even be using my platform, uh, to be so such an advocate on mental health, but I figured, Hey, I might as well just take people on my journey. Uh, as I figure out what my life is meant to be and kind of who I am. So I've just brought everyone on that journey with me. I think it's fantastic. And you actually remind me of one of my favorite quotes from a movie. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas movie. I think it's called Jingle All the Way, where um, some guy says to him when he's trying to get a toy for his kid, you can't bench press your way out of this one. And 
I look at you as someone who, and correct me if I'm wrong, was building yourself up a part of controlling who you become muscularly speaking? And then how have you done that now um, internally post-show? Yeah, great questions. Um, so yeah, I really did build up this this external structure to try to convince others, really. I was always seeking external validation because I felt that I never had it as a kid. And I and I did, but I, I again, it was my perspective and the way that I viewed um, from my vantage point. I just thought, saw that others around me were getting praised for their own accolades, but I just felt kind of slighted. And, and so I took that with me and I thought, well, I just have to start to do more so that I can be impressive enough to people. All the time I was chasing after this external validation, not looking to find the internal validation and, and, and figure out how could I address that because that's what I needed for the long term anyways. So in the meantime, I built up like, yeah, I played, I went to the next level, played college football, went briefly to NFL. Then I was like, okay, I made it and finally proved to people I'm an athlete. But how do I prove that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, a better man? And how do I prove that I'm sought after? Because women put me in the friend zone all the time growing up. So I thought, okay, when The Bachelor came around, I'm like, perfect. Now I can prove to myself that, you know, I'm worthy enough because if you're The Bachelor, then you're the most sought after man. And I always air quote that because I don't want to make it seem like I believe that. But I thought, okay, this will help me come to terms with the fact that I am good enough now. I'll finally be able to convince myself the external validation will lead to internal and it just never has. And so I, which is good because then now I'm at a place where uh, I am finding to, you know, I'm loving myself for who I was, who I am and who I will be. And so it's just a matter of waking up every day and choosing confidence and choosing positivity. Uh, and mindfulness has been huge. And I, I, for a while, I thought that was pseudoscience, you know, to manifestation and all that stuff, but I've, I've been doing it and it's been working. I've been putting people in my corner that do it too. And um, it just kind of, that, that energy just goes back and forth and I feel like I'm in a better headspace now. So my, my parents, sometimes they tell me they're like, you turn it into a hippie. I said, if I'm turning it into a hippie, then just let me be like, if, if I'm going off the rails and I'm doing my, and I'm happy in my own little world, then just let me be happy in my own little world. Right. So yeah, you got like a religion happening. You got edibles and pizza. I like this. I like this clay and we got here. I'll join that religion any day. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. mind, body, soul. You, 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 you do, you maximize your body you realize check that didn't really solve it. Then you kind of, I mean, it's great to have that. And I have to give you credit for the people that don't understand you walked on in college. Am I correct with that? Like yes. unbelievable to walk on in college and also receive a game check and play a preseason season NFL, just unbelievable to, to, to even approach that level and, and hang with them. You prove that to yourself. Now, what I see a lot with people that make it their way onto the bachelor is there's a bias for choosing contestants that don't necessarily have their professional life together, or at least the life that they, you know, there's a lot of people drifting through the dark because, and I would be the same way in my twenties. I'm that way in my thirties. Um, did you feel, and you had a high, you had a high paying job, uh, working in sales. Do you feel like you were, have, have had more of a rudder in where you want your life to go post show having been on it and learned a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, no, I, I really feel that for the first time in my life, I've, I've found my true purpose. And so that's been exciting. Uh, it's been nerve wracking because uh, it's, it's when you find your purpose and you're, you're going, you're traversing that path, but it's not really paying the bills. You're like, okay, well, this is, I love this, but I also need to make this work so I can put food on the table. And so chasing my passions hasn't really been lucrative. Um, but, but the thing is, is I wake up every day and I'm excited 
to, to, to be able to attack the day. I don't just wait for the weekends. I look forward to my weekdays now. So um, I think the show at first overwhelmed me where I came off the show and I was told I could do this and this or this. People were saying you could go into sports broadcasting. You could, you know, the world's your oyster. You could go into Hallmark movies. You could do the influencing thing. You could go back to medical. So it opened up all this and it was all this ch- chatter. And I just needed a point where I was like, everyone, please, like I need to shut myself off because it's overwhelming. Sometimes too many options can be a bad thing. Um, but since then, I've been able to dwindle it down. I was like, okay, where do you really want to do you see yourself? Um, and so it gave me the ability to kind of look from like a wide spectrum. I, I was able to have a lot of conversations with people and say, okay, this is an option, this is an option. But then I slowly started to to narrow my focus and I'm, I have a pretty narrowed focus at this point. So Yeah, and it's, uh, you're still right off your season. I mean, it might feel like, you, you know, it's... It's real. I mean, you know, you're young. There's so many things, so many different paths you can take. But I, yeah. I, I had a question about relationships. They don't always mm-hmm. last forever, but they do teach you something. Your yeah. relationship with Susie, she's, I mean, you tell me, I'm assuming maybe more naturally creative and more naturally in this freelance world of cinematography and things like that. What did she teach you in your relationship with, with, it, with about your own capabilities Maybe, maybe that aren't as, you know, practically minded as you current, as you were. Yeah, she, she taught me so much. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to like limit it down to one thing, but she, she really challenged my mindset. Um, she challenged my self-limiting beliefs, uh, and I never had anybody really hold me accountable for, for them. Uh, and, and that was something where multiple times where she would, uh, kind of stop me in those moments and say, Hey. Like I, I hear you right now, but like that mindset, you gotta, you gotta cut that. Like you gotta work, you gotta transition this mindset. Cause I promise you, if you just stopped projecting these assumptions of how people, cause what I was doing a lot of times was, um, for instance, like I would read something online. I would say, Oh, everyone this week, when they watch this episode, they're going to do this. They're going to react this way. And so, and then I would go down this, 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 this path of they're going to be mad and they're going to say this and they're going to hate me. And then I'm going to get more negative mm-hmm. feedback and I'm going to be more upset. And then she just said, stop. She said, but what if that doesn't happen? Do you know if it's going to happen? And I was like, no, she's like, so you're already getting worked up about something when like, just wait for it to happen and then react. Um, I think that was one of the best things that she, like, she held me accountable, put me in, and she would bring it, like, stop me whenever I'd start going down there. She would cut it off and be like, it hasn't happened yet. Wait until it happens. Then go ahead and react accordingly. Uh, and that has completely changed my life because now um, I still get a little nervous about certain things that may happen. But what I find is I just go, all right, just stop because you don't know what's going to happen. So just show up and figure it out. Um, yeah. And that has oh, sorry. Saved, yeah. yeah, saved me a lot a lot of issues. So she talks, that was one thing of many she taught me. That's amazing. And you know, we always talk about the cliche term, fear, false evidence appearing real, but there is something in our bones that wants to protect us and get ready for quote unquote war in this current world we live in. And when you're Mm -hmm. being presented in your DMS with negative energy and and negative people, there's there, I mean, 1% of the population's psychopathic. They exist on the, on the line and they don't understand uh, empathy and they don't understand emotions. And those people have access to your DMS. It's a crime that that exists. And I feel like most people just want to rack rationalize with them. And it's just important to realize that the majority of people are rooting you on 
uh, and, and my audience specifically, we have attracted such a great audience of people that don't see you for the necessarily the strong guy who's got it all on the show, but a guy who's just trying his best with the information you have. And what I loved most, I related to you right away when we sh- saw the package of your parents. You said you were, you said in your book that your mom was like a therapist to you. What was the dynamic like there? And were, was she able to help you post show? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She, I just, I never had a therapist prior to the show, but I, I, I got one afterwards. Um, and as I went through it, it, it completely, um, just was every, everything that I thought therapy was, it wasn't. So I thought I'd walk in and then I would tell them like I do the first session would be an hour and they, I would tell them everything. The next time I'd come in, they'd be like, okay, here's a list of stuff we can work on. We're going to do this, 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 and this. But uh, all of that, when I went, it was like day after day, I was talking the entire time and I thought, well, aren't you supposed to like, give me advice or a solution? And, you know, they, they, the one that I ended up kind of like settling down with, uh, and, and, and sticking with her for a while, she said, no, the whole point of this is guided mindfulness. I'm just asking the right questions that are the questions to lead you to wherever this place of revelation is for you. I don't care how you get there. Um, but as, so as long as you get there, it's a success. Well, that's what my mom had always been doing. Like my mom just asked questions because my mom generally just wanted to talk with her kids. So my mom knew if I just keep asking questions, I'll sit here and talk and for, and I will talk myself for hours. So my mom, which she just kept calling me every week after the show ended uh, per usual. And I was just, I was just trauma dumping. I was just letting it all out venting. And then I would come to these solutions because she just asked the right questions. So uh, I didn't realize it, but I'm like my, I was like, my mom was a therapist my entire life without probably even knowing it. I definitely wasn't aware of it, but she just unconditional love. She just asked questions because she wanted to talk to me because she just wanted to hear my voice. And, but like it really helped out from a therapeutic standpoint. Yeah. And in the book, you actually offer some really great advice on how to listen to others. And I know some people have, you know, of course there'll always be the negative people. Why, what, why, why should we read Clayton Eckert's book? What does he have to teach us? You're a man who went in the spotlight. You're a man who was ostracized or at least condemned by audiences. How could he every villain? I mean, most leads, I guess, become the villain right away because it's an untenable, impossible position to, to come out of it without any collateral damage. Um, but what would be the simple advice you would give the seventh grade person that we saw at the beginning of your book, the seventh grade Clayton? Yeah, I think uh, for me again, like I, I, I wrote the book as, and I even have a section at the beginning of to my seventh, you know, younger self, because I, I, I wanted to write that to an audience. Again, the audience, the audience that I wrote it for, it was for myself to write first, just to let out the emotion. But then I thought, okay, this can help others. And so I wrote it from a, a viewpoint of just anybody that's willing to, um, have an open mind and just try to look in areas of their life where maybe they don't have it figured out. Um, and I'm sharing my experience to your point. People would say, why should we listen to Clayton about communication? He lacked a ton of it on the show. Absolutely. I did. That's why I feel that I've picked <laughs> up much about what now what works. Cause I found out all the things that don't work and what I was missing. And so I'm like, okay, I'm take, let me take all the things that I missed and put this in a book. So that now, like, as you listen to my story, you're also getting the tidbits of things that I missed out on, but, but these are crucial um, things to do that can help you uh, with better communication style or better better communication in, in, in your day-to-day so that you have less arguments, possibly more agreements, the more agreements you have, more connections you're building, and we all win. So um, for me, I, I think that's where it was funny. People said, why would I take advice from this guy who, who did it all wrong? I was like, because I learned through that experience. All those failures were lessons learned. 
Um, and so it's just a matter of you pick up the book and, and you might be like, this is common sense. And if it is great, but maybe something you read, you go, Oh, I just wasn't aware that when I'm speaking, I should just be more mindful of asking more questions because I might be speaking 95% of the time and I'm not even cognizant of it. And so I wonder why all of a sudden when I interact with individuals, that the conversations don't seem to get anywhere deep. Well, it's because I'm always the one talking. So, but this is where I just like in the book, I talk about stepping back, taking a deep breath, pausing, like during these conversations and listening because you learn more about an individual when you listen than when you're talking. So um, just tidbits that I picked up on that. I was like, this would be worth sharing so that if anybody else finds himself as the bachelor, please take us all into account. <laughs> now I'm not, I, I only got the book a few days ago and I've been on the road with shows. I haven't gotten to the, uh, the TikTok girl chapter. Is that in the book here? Is TikTok girl in the book? No, she's, uh, she's not in the book, but it's funny. I just did a, a recent podcast and, um, and that was brought up and I, and I thought, man, I, it's crazy to me that some of these things just happen because I, it all feels like a dream. And I, I almost feel that my brain has tried to, rewire this experience as a dream. I don't know if it's for due to trauma or what, but it, I find it fascinating that uh, I recount that entire experience as if it almost didn't occur. Uh, it feels like a dream. Like if I were recounting, like that's the whole experience It flew by. And I, it's to your point, it's been a year since I was on TV, but it's been almost two years since I first filmed. So it's just, it's, it's, I forget all the things that happened along the way, including the TikTok girl that, tried to, to, to ruin me and thank the Lord I had location services. Boy, thank the Lord. Indeed. I turned mine on right away. I was like, we're not going to be caught in any lies here. Uh, now everyone knows what I'm referencing because we covered it on the she's all batch podcast and we covered it in the step-by-step moment. Um, it's, I, I do a thing called ref Dave where we just call the bullshit on this. You also had a guy on TikTok claiming he walked in on you banging his girlfriend. I mean, this is like wild stuff. I mean, and then I went through this guy's history and saw that he had already stolen jokes from other things. And I was like the, the, the thirst of people online and I, and you were so graceful with this TikTok girl, I won't say her name, but, um, you didn't have to be, you didn't have to be that way. And, uh, the relation, no relationship needs to deal with that. You're already working on sort of long distance distance with your girlfriend Susie at the time and um your grace in that situation was noted and uh, I hope hope you don't have to deal with any of that uh again but yeah location services are on for Clayton that's for sure well and I'll give credit again to Susie for that I uh she had to talk me down a little bit I I was very animated at one point and I was like I'm about to like I was seriously considering suing the girl like I was starting to like I was about to start making some phone calls um because I lost a few job offers, I was talking to companies, they went completely dead, right when that came out, like the next day or two, they just stopped responding to me. And when I asked for like an explanation or anything, I said, Hey, just curious, you know, why what what happened? No response. And so uh, I was, and I and I was like, telling Susie, I was like, I'm gonna get her account banned. Like, people apparently were messaging her about getting kicked out of her school. I was like, good, like, I'm gonna get more people. <laughs> and then I was just venting in that moment to her. And she was like, she let me vent. And then she's like, Clayton, do you really want to see this girl get torn to shreds? And I was like, no, I don't. And she's like, okay, then like, let's just like feel the emotions and then we can go ahead and, you know, react accordingly. But let's also give this young girl who's very, you know, she was very young in college. It's like, give her some grace. Like she's immature. She'll grow up, but like, you don't need to try to ruin her. So 
You got to have the right people in your corner. But that's, that's you, you're lucky you didn't have me in your corner. I was I was calling for surveillance footage, and, and, and you know what I mean. I was like, let's track this guy down because clearly she, of, yeah. co- of course, thought um, she was catfish. But we, you know, I don't, I didn't buy that story for a second, and uh, she yeah. flew a little too close to the sun there. And um, you yeah. know, like you said, she had done it with an NFL football player. It's just like, yikes! This is the real yeah. world, folks. But um, good on you for taking the high road because that's commendable, the very least. Well, buddy, I don't want to take up any more. more your time, but I'm so excited to continue diving into this book. And um, uh, my last question, I'm getting a lot of questions from my U- my YouTube audience, is that one person had asked, um, "How's your confidence and how's your like your well being right now?" As opposed to before the show, are you back to uh, where you were pre show, or are you higher up? Like where are you at? Better than I've been, yeah. Uh, better ever than I've been. I I think uh, I just was never challenged enough to to realize that. I had this pseudo confidence to, to realize that I didn't have, uh, you know, I wasn't in this place where I had addressed all my insecurities. And so uh, the, the the environment that I was in in Missouri uh, didn't call for that, didn't really bring that challenge for me to have to address those insecurities, weaknesses, and um, and, and just those disbeliefs that I held. So um, with that, now I've addressed them and I felt that I've made more, so much more sense of my, what, you know, who I am and the world around me. And so it just, there's more known, less unknown. And I feel a lot more at peace nowadays where I wake up and I'm like, you know what you feel? I finally feel like I know who I am and I don't feel for the first time in my life, like I'm trying to live my life for others. I'm just strictly waking up and do it, living, doing what makes me happy. And, uh, and if, and if I can't keep everyone happy, well, you know, that's not my job to do so. So I'm in a better headspace than I've ever been. It's really crazy how one of the worst experiences turned into one of the the best teachers so that's just that's how life works i suppose well you've you've inspired a lot of us as we've watched your journey and we look forward to seeing where you go next but thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today i really appreciate it absolutely thing man thank you so much for your time have a great weekend all right talk to you later buddy well, it feels like we became best friends right there. I really enjoyed my conversation with Clayton Eckert. If you enjoyed this, make sure to comment on his social media, share some love, tell him you enjoyed his chat with me. We'd love to have him back, and I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, a, a little look on uh, male-on-male therapy talk. You know what I mean? It's uh, something we could always use more of in society. Really, really, you know, taking the time to take a look at what makes us tick and trying to be the best versions of ourselves. There's going to be a link in the description for you to check out his book. 180 Degrees by Clayton Eckerd. And once again, a big shout out and thank you to Clayton for taking the time to chat with us today. Appreciate all of your support. And we'll be back tomorrow with more content. I've been Dave Neal. This is Bachelor Rush Hour. <laughs>